1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Roundball Stew on NBC Sports Edge. I am your host, Ryan Kanaus, With me, again, my co-host, Jared Johnson. Full disclosure, we just started the podcast without actually being live <laughs> or recording anything. So Jared and I just spoke to each other for 15 minutes for fun. But it's okay. We're all warmed up now. So that's that's good. Day in the life. <laughs> so Jared, Jared already knows this, but our colleague steve alexander provided a pickup of the day from monday's busy slate and the top name that he chose was dennis smith jr he's only 19 percent rostered in yahoo leagues steve writes dennis smith jr and norman powell are the only two guards left standing in portland and he had 13 points a three-pointer six boards seven assists a steal a block and seven turnovers on monday he's worth grabbing until the blazers get healthy again and has played at least 37 minutes in his last two games. You know, not much else to say about there. The, the the playing time is crucial. There are a lot of teams that are very banged up, but the Blazers' backcourt is among the thinnest. DSJ is just getting a ton of minutes. Coach Chauncey Billups is at his wits' end looking for players who want to compete. So even, you know, warts and all, all the turnovers, the poor shooting and iffy shot selection, Dennis Smith Jr. is going to continue getting playing time. So I quite like that pickup. And Steve also mentions Marcus Morris as a guy you might look at, Luke Kennard. And even, as I said, a lot of teams are banged up. Timothy Luau-Cabarro has made some noise and just hit a career-high seven triples. So plenty of pickups out there, Jared. Have you made any recently that you're particularly fond of? Any any players on any rosters that you were able to pick up with the injuries just crushing rosters around the league?
2: I mean, yeah, I picked up Cody Martin before Ish Smith got put into the COVID protocols. And I've also seen Karis Levert hit the waiver wire in a couple leagues, and I have picked him up and I'm very happy about that, so.
1: Hmm. Actually, it doesn't surprise me that Levert's been hitting the wire. He's He's struggling mightily. We might talk more, maybe we'll get into that later. But for now, I wanna to talk to you about some news that just broke this morning. As of mid-January, January 15th, there will be a vaccination requirement that to enter Canada, you need to be fully vaccinated which means opposing players will need full vaccination for those road games. Now, Adrian Wojnarowski has reported that 97% of NBA players are vaccinated, but guys like Bradley Beal and Jonathan Isaac are two that stand out to me who could potentially get DMPs if they're playing on the road in Toronto. So, you know, not a ton there. I mean, it would just be one DMP for for the two players I just mentioned, and that's assuming Isaac is even healthy when the Magic play in Toronto, but... You know is there anything you're looking at there does that worry you at all even if you have beal or anything like that no, i mean it, players
2: miss so many games now that it really doesn't even phase right. me when stuff like that right. happens like no one plays 82 anymore everyone misses mm-hmm. a ton of games especially with COVID. so No.
1: Hey, LeBron missed a game because of COVID and he didn't even have COVID. So (laughs) he had a a false positive. But to your point, I mean, there are breakthrough cases where you could be fully vaccinated and still miss 10 days. And then if someone's unvaccinated, I'm not so worried about them not playing a single game in Toronto as I am them contracting COVID and missing two weeks. Right. Anyway, a storyline to keep an eye on. One of the players who will not be missing games in Toronto is Andrew Wiggins, who enjoyed a career best night from the Ark on Monday. He was 8 of 10 from deep, scored 28 points, 3 boards, 3 assists, a steal. And as I mentioned, we already talked about this, so I know where you stand, but I'll ask you again anyway. Wiggins has improved throughout his career. He's been far more efficient this season shooting the ball, I think 48% from the field. And yet he contributes contributes just 1.6 dimes, 0. 0.7 steals, 0. 0.7 blocks. So although he has gotten much better, you know, improved shot selection, improved defensively for sure, doing a lot of the little things that help a winning team like the Warriors. And he's in a great real-world situation. But do you see anything else he can add to his fantasy value, which has improved over the years? But I, I can't help but feel like he's pushing up against his ceiling here.
2: Yeah, I think this is the best version of Wiggins that we're ever going to see. The reason why his value has improved so much is because of the efficient scoring. It's not because of the peripheral stats. And he's never been someone who will offer peripheral stats. So I don't see any reason for that to suddenly occur. But you know, he's putting up top 85-ish numbers. I could see him dropping down to top 100 with a cold stretch, but yeah, he's doing well. He's giving you points. He's giving you triples. He's giving you some boards.
1: Yeah, hard hard to think of a better spot for him to land in than right next to a teammate with more defensive gravity than any other player in the, the league. So, you know, congrats if you drafted him, I guess, but this might be the high watermark. Before we go any further, a quick reminder to subscribe to NBC Sports Edge Plus and get every tool for every game. All of our premium tools for fantasy DFS embedding are now included in one subscription at one low price. You can subscribe monthly or save 20% on an annual subscription. We've made it easier than ever with more tools than ever to play and wager with confidence with NBC Sports Edge Plus. And just to reiterate, that's literally every single sport, betting, DFS, whatever, all in one bucket now. So makes it super simple and just a ton of content. So definitely check that out. Jared, we got some clarity on Thomas Bryant's timetable recently, and you wanted to ask about Montrez Harrell. Why don't you cue us up there?
2: Yeah, I'm just wondering if you think that selling high on Trez before Thomas Bryant gets back into the mix and kind of mucks up the center rotation in Washington, Daniel Gafford is starting. He's only averaging 20.9 minutes a game. Trez is coming off the bench with Mm 26.6. And he's providing mid-round value. Those numbers are not sustainable if you add a third center into the mix. Now, Mm -hmm. Bryant may come back in two weeks, but I mean, he's going to be brought along very slowly. So I think that there's still plenty of time to sell high here. I don't think that when Thomas Bryant comes back and he's averaging five minutes a game for the first week, that people are going to (laughs) go, Oh no, like let's get rid of Trez. I think that there's still, People feel highly about Trez at this point. So maybe you should float out some offers and see if you can get a mid-round-ish player in return.
1: Yeah, I guess my reaction to that would be um, I fear that the true sell-high window was like mid-November when when Trez was just dominating. And it looked like, you know, he was going to earn far more minutes than Gafford. And Thomas Bryant's return was very nebulous. And we didn't even know when, which, you know, doesn't preclude the possibility that there's still a window to to trade them at above value. So go for it, would be my suggestion. Because I do think it's going to be a very thorny problem to navigate with three centers. I just checked cleaningtheglass.com. Montrez Harrell, 99% of his minutes at center... Oh, sorry, that was last year, 100% this year. Same with Daniel Gafford. Like, none of these guys are going to play power forward. So, right. and Thomas Bryant has shown three-point range. Maybe they try to do, like, a two-big lineup for tiny stretches, but it's not going to be that consistently. So, yeah, the, the threat is real. If you can still get ahead of it by floating some trade offers, I say go for it. And I would extend that and say the same thing for Gafford, too. Why not, right? Do we, do we feel that he could survive, a guy who's already playing – 20 minutes per game. If that gets cut into, at all, suddenly waiver wire fodder.
2: Yeah, I think that maybe that was the better question to ask because I'm <laughs> a little bit more comfortable about Trez being yeah. able to maintain, you know, mid round value with minutes in the mid 20s. Gafford doesn't look like a starter to me. He's all and he, he's all he's starting with 20.9 minutes. There's just no. You give you give Thomas Bryant five and he's down to 15 basically. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: you're right. Yeah. Probably and- headed for the waiver wire once Brian's fully up to
1: speed. And Gafford's already such a, you know, if he gets a couple blocks, he hit value. If he didn't, he was a bust most nights. Yep. So not a lot of wiggle room there in terms of his value. All right. Unfortunately, more COVID fallout. Let's talk about the the Hornets situation. Ish Smith is also out. I watched the Hornets game. I think you did too. We saw Rookie James Booknight finally take the court. Kelly Oubre went nuts in the overtime loss. I forget how many three pointers he hit, but it was a lot. He's had some absolute monster games this season. So hopefully, you held on to him early on when things were a little bit rocky. Yeah. What what else stood out to you? Gordon Hayward, I think, had nine assists. He played a lot of point guard. Cody Martin, you mentioned as a potential pickup.
2: Yeah. I mean, basically, well, what for one with Ish Smith, the most important thing here let's see, we're at Tuesday. So at this point, we know that LaMelo Ball and Rozier have tested positive. They will be in the 10-day quarantine because the only way out of it is two negative PCR tests within a 48-hour period. They tested positive on Saturday. We haven't had any word of them coming back. So with Ish Smith, we don't know if he missed Monday's game for a contact tracing issue or if it was a positive test and it could have been a false positive. But let's assume that he is also in quarantine that moved Cody Martin into the starting lineup who saw a lot more ball handling opportunities. He also unfortunately had four turnovers, but this guy is going to be earning minutes in the mid thirties for a team that's missing three of their five starters. And I think two key reserves. So Mm -hmm. he's the guy that I would want to have pretty much everywhere. And yeah, I think that's. That's that's pretty much it. Gordon Hayward's going to be pretty much playing point guard for this team, at, as is Miles Bridges. And TJ Washington will also see a boost because there is a lot of
1: usage to go around
2: when you're missing both LaMelo Ball and Scary
1: Terry. There sure is. And I mean, in terms of pickups, you said it. I think Cody Martin is the guy. 42 minutes the other night, they played in a true eight-man rotation. Three of those players only had 22 minutes or fewer, so... A ton of minutes going to the key guys who are just going to feast for the next week plus. Not much more to it. I'm definitely picking him up. I'm not as interested in James Booknight. Maybe in deeper leagues you stream him. That's that's about it for me. We saw uh, JT Thor get some minutes too, which is fun. He was good. I was kind of, I was hoping that we'd see some Kai Jones, but hasn't happened yet. <laughs> he, he may get his time this moment. May, maybe not on a team that good. Tis the path of a second round pick. Yes, I know, but he'll be exciting when he does get on the court. Any case, the Bulls, I mean, do you want to talk about the Bulls and their their COVID travails as well? There's a lot going on there.
2: Yeah, so DeMar DeRozan, Kobe White, and Javante Green are all in quarantine. So same thing with DeMar. He tested, well, we know that he missed yesterday's game for the protocols. We don't know if it was a false positive just yet. But let's assume all of these guys are out, and Caruso. What it was announced yesterday that he will be missing at least the next week with a hamstring strain, which allowed Ayudasumu. Man, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm probably not.
1: Ayudasumu, you got it. Ayudasumu.
2: He looked fantastic last night. I think he had nine assists. Mm-hmm. Here's the stat line. He finished with 11.6 boards eight dimes, one triple, one steal, and three turnovers across 42 minutes. Hmm. 42 minutes because they don't have any other options right now. And he looked really great out there. He put on some playmaking skills that I did not know he had. Derek Jones Jr. also played relatively well. Five of 12 shooting, one of two at the stripe, 12 points, nine boards, one three-pointer, one assist, one block, and one turnover in 28 minutes. So these are the two Mm -hmm. guys that moved into the starting lineup and performed well. Between the two, I would rather have Ayo. Yeah, we're just going to see Zach Levine feast and Nikola Vucevic jack up all the shots that he wants. Maybe they'll start falling at some point, hopefully.
1: (laughs) They will. They will, Jared. Keep the faith. The man (laughs) has only played in 18 games, right? So with some up-and-down, turbulent situation, he's still getting shots in different places than he used to. He's talked about his new role things like this. He's too good of a player to struggle like this for long. And if you watch him, it's, it is bizarre, frankly, like he's missing open shots that he used to get. Like they'll post him up in mismatches against small players. And he's missing little bunnies. Like he's just a little <laughs> bit out of sync right now, but trust me, the, the tide will turn for Vooch. He had 24 shots last night. That was a season high. It's going to be more of the same for the next week. Plus till Chicago gets Derozan and some reinforcements back. I'm with you I think Dosumu is the guy to get here we saw flashes of what he's been able to do all season long off the bench and coach Billy Donovan has talked him up endlessly just all the time loves what the rookie's doing so go get him it makes me sad because I actually cut Dosumu like three weeks ago in a 30 team league I just I wanted silly league yeah it's a silly deep league and he whatever it's not worth getting into but
2: you know what Feel less bad about it because I've seen him move to like three different teams. And when you cut him, he just, I was just like, oh, Ryan has him. And then I saw him go to another team. I was like, oh, Ryan cut him in the 30
1: league. <laughs> I should have held on. But anyway, that one's going to sting for a while. Hopefully, I'll get over it. DJJ, yeah, stream him if you need to. He's more of like a DFS guy for me, just because the minutes will be there. Speaking of yeah. the Bulls. Or like a blocking, shot blocking specialist in like a 14. Yeah, he'll get league. some defensive stats for sure. For 25
2: years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from Family Farms then blended to perfection and cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one McCrispie. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: Speaking of the Bulls, they will be one of the teams featured in this week's Pick and Roll Predictor game, which you can download on the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. This week's NBA Pick and Roll contest has a prize of $50,000, as they do every week. But this week, we're highlighting matchups between the Cavaliers and Bulls, Knicks and Pacers, and Nuggets and Pelicans. If you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. There's also, we mentioned the NBA Pick and Roll because this is an NBA podcast, but there's a million dollars up for grabs in the Sunday 7 with the Predictor app. So if you play NFL or have interest in a million dollars, one more reason to check out the Predictor app. All right. Damian Lillard wants to play with Ben Simmons, (laughs) according to a report in The Athletic, which was co-written, I believe, by Sam Amick and Shamstrania. So this has plenty of weight behind it. It's not just a random rumor that hit the mill. On top of which, I read a story this morning in The Athletic by longtime Blazers beat writer Jason Quick, who tends to pull no punches. Super plugged in with the team. And he got a text message from CJ McCollum after Monday's game, in which CJ basically sounded like he was saying goodbye to Portland. He was like, Jason, Portland will always be my home. We're gonna have our our child here. We're you know, blah blah blah, like one about all the things he loves. And Jason quick responded to him, like, dang, you make this sound like a goodbye. And he said he even the beat writer for the Blazers even Googled, did C.J. McCollum get traded? Because it was so (laughs) it was so strange of a text to receive. Yeah. So basically, right. With Dame saying he wants to play with Ben Simmons. And there's been a lot of connection between the contracts and the team fits working out of a C.J. McCollum for Ben Simmons, you know, as the heart of a potential trade deal. So to hear Dame get on board was pretty interesting. C.J.'s confident that Dame isn't like secretly pushing to trade him and yet where there's smoke there might be fire so what do you make of this and if cj let's just speculate for a minute even though it's not uri's favorite thing to do but if cj does get traded what does that uh, what does that look like
2: my least favorite and most irresponsible activity rank speculation <laughs> this is the trade that always made the most sense like twitter was like oh how about this as soon as like the the it was announced that ben simmons wanted out of philly this one always seemed to make the most sense to me CJ and Dame do not work. So Portland is doing Dame a disservice by trying to just keep continuing to make that work. All right, moving on. If we put CJ and let's assume Simons in Philly, that's probably not great for Seth Curry. I think it absolutely destroys both Tyrese Maxey and Milton. And Simmons would be destroyed as well. Simmons has been played very well in Portland this year. He's having a bit of a breakout. You put him in Philly, there's no breakout. He's back to being a negligible reserve role behind Maxi and Milton. He would essentially be the third string. So I think that's about that. And then if you put Ben in Portland, Mm -hmm. I think he just slots right in. I don't really think anyone takes a hit. I think that Ben Simmons just puts up top 50 numbers in Portland.
1: Yeah, I guess... My question would be, you know, does this happen soon? The Blazers are 11 and 14. They're taking on water in a hurry. Dame is banged up. Even when he does come back, is this, t- is this a team that's going to suddenly start winning games? So, like, if they're going to make this move and and attempt to turn the season around and really be a competitive team, it would need to happen soon. Right. Because my concern is, like, oh, well, they wait, you know, somewhere closer to the all-star break when the Blazers are just just toast. And then they make a trade and looking ahead to next year and let's rebuild, go from there. In which case Dame with a core injury that he hasn't been able to shake for four years is suddenly very precarious to me. Yeah. So, so the timing of a potential deal like this would be just as interesting and important to me as whether it even happens for fantasy purposes.
2: That's a very good point. I just want to stay on that for a second. Yeah. Portland just fired their GM. Mm -hmm. So any conversations that they might have had is kind of a little bit out the window. Also, Maury is asking for basically stuff that will create bad relationships. Like people are hanging up the phone on him because he's being a jerk Mm -hmm. about it. Like Ben Simmons is not worth what he's asking for. And yeah, trades like this with superstars. They're not easy. There's a lot of salary stuff going on that, that people do not think about, and they don't happen quickly. So, if, if the Portland Trailblazers just fired their GM, are working, like I, guess, I assume they have someone operating in an interim position. They do. Is this a trade that you make with an interim GM? I don't know. That, that was a really good point you make. I don't think it happens anytime soon, I guess, would be my very long way of saying. I'm not rushing to the waiver wire to pick up Ben Simmons.
1: It's a very good point. Now, on the one hand, I think it's more likely that they make a trade like this because Neil Olshay was the one who acquired C.J. McCollum and was like his biggest backer. He was always saying, you know, see, we can make this work with C.J. We've, you know, citing their long playoff run and maybe not so much success in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. Poor arguments to yeah. Strachey.
1: But he, he would get into <laughs> that. So maybe that makes it more likely. But you're right. Do you pull off a, a trade of that? magnitude with just an interim gm in place or would they wait until that's more salt so a lot of moving parts there i guess if you're stashing ben simmons still this gives you cause for optimism but how much is personal opinion all right moving on from the speculationville a very real thing is happening in milwaukee and that is bobby portis going nuts he is i mean what is his fantasy value now let's see According to Basketball Monster, he is a top 50 player in 9cat in 28 minutes per game. And that feels about right. I mean, this guy is a nightly double-double. Sometimes you look at the box here, you're like, ah, he got the defensive stats too. Percentage is maybe not great for a big man, but it's it's found money at this point. Like nobody thought Bobby Portis would be doing this. Now you got Brooke Lopez yeah. down with back surgery. He had surgery, right? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And DeMarcus. Yep. Yeah, and DeMarcus Cousins Kevin. coming in, eh, whatever. So, I mean, I love it. I, I see no reason why Bobby Portis would cool off, really, at this point. I think this is who he is. Yeah, real quick,
2: Brooke Lopez underwent surgery on December 2nd. I would have said before that, before... Another real quick thing, it is slightly annoying, and just a reminder to never listen to anything players say regarding their injuries, because it was only about three weeks ago that Brook Lopez had an interview where he said he's making progress and he will be back at an unspecified unspecified time and then like two weeks right, passed, but all, <laughs> all of a sudden they signed to Marcus cousins and then a few days later it's back surgery. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about cousins messing with Bobby Portis's minutes. I think Bobby Portis is locked in to a key role on this team and I see no right I see no reason why he can't sustain his current production. So very large sample size at this point.
1: Yeah, no, I'm fully with you. And DeMarcus Cousins is not very good at it anymore. So all the more reason to have faith in Portis. Do you have faith, however, in Killian Hayes moving to Detroit? I kind of like him as a steel specialist. Detroit, I mean, a, a lottery pick just a couple years ago. Detroit is going to give him opportunities. They have been. They put him on ball a little bit more early so that Kate Cunningham would have an adjustment period you know, making his NBA debut. Now Killian Hayes is playing more off ball. He's shooting some threes. He's actually, I think, 36% from deep on the season. Very weird shooting splits with this guy. He's also 15 of 16 at the free throw line. He was 80-something percent last year, up to 93%, I believe, this year. And yet he's 31% on two-pointers, can't finish around the rim, and he's big for a guard. So, like, what is, what's going on here, Jared? And, and do you have faith in him to be more than a steel specialist?
2: More than a steel specialist would be strong for me. I think that he can be a steel specialist and maybe some dimes.
1: Hard pivot.
2: There's another guard in Detroit that you did not mention. The guy who put up, I think, six triples and 20-something points last night. Over the past three, the number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham, is putting up top 25 value. 24.3 points, 6.7 rebounds, 3.7 dimes, 1.3 steals, 1.3 blocks and 4.7 triples. This is the upside that I have alluded to throughout the year and why I am such a fan of having him on my
1: roster. All right. So you think those counting stats outweigh the high volume 37% free throw shooting and almost four turnovers per game? Obviously, I had to bring up those caveats. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I saw you nodding. Saw you nodding. I mean, I assume you wouldn't have said it because those are obvious caveats. But well,
2: over over that stretch, he's actually shooting fifty five point eight percent on seventeen point three shots per game, and the fifty percent at the line is on zero point seven attempts, so completely irrelevant.
1: I, I like it, and I've been trying to be better about not bashing rookies for their intro stats. You know, first month, give them a little grace period, and that that. Lesson was really driven home last year by Anthony Edwards, who struggled with percentages horrifically in the first couple months of the season. I overreacted and traded him below value to my discredit. And then, of course, he was terrific in the second half. And I've done analysis after analysis that shows that rookies and young players in general really get better as the season goes on, especially if they're on bad teams. Kate Cunningham is on the Pistons. So perfect, perfect situation.
2: You've got to you got to be patient with the rookies, but they usually show up at some point.
1: Yeah. You know what? Let's just jump ahead on that note to Alperin Shangun. I still am of the opinion that an explosion from this guy is a matter of when, not if. So I can get into the reasons why, but just generally speaking, are you, are you with me here? Do you think that Shangun is a potentially explosive stash even in, you know, 12 team league or is that going too far?
2: How would you define explosive? Like, what are you seeing here? Are you seeing like a top 50 finish?
1: Meaning potentially top 50, sure. What I'm seeing is a guy who per 36 minutes is averaging 17 points, nine boards, five assists, 2.3 steals, and 1.3 blocks. I won't get into the the nasty side of those per 36 minutes <laughs> stats either. Mostly the fouls. He would be fouling out every 36 minutes. But th- that's
2: important, though.
1: It is. And I don't think that we
2: can assume 36 minutes at any point. Well, that's Christian Woods pretty much playing 100% of his minutes at center. So look, I'll give him 30 minutes and he'll foul out a bunch. But, you know, I, I do enjoy watching him play. He is a very talented player. He has these really nice crisp passes from a big man. I hate comparisons, but, you know, the the mini Jokic does make a marginal amount of sense. I like him. I, I I mean, like we've said in the past, luxury stash, but the upside is there. So maybe he's not at those 36-minute numbers, but I think that he'll be at minimum a valuable asset.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's fair, I think. you know, Top 50 is asking a lot, obviously. Uh, percentages would have to improve slightly. And you're right about the center split. That's really the thing that I've been keeping an eye on because during Houston's six-game win streak, it's Christian Wood mostly playing pure center. They even, you know, then they switched to the two bigs lineup the other night because they were playing against Jonas Valanciunas. Then they had Daniel Tice in the center spot and moved Wood to power forward. But either way, Seng- Shengun is just playing backup center. So those minutes aren't great. The thing is like I just think Houston isn't suddenly good. They caught a couple teams napping. You know, they beat Charlotte, they beat Chicago by a combined 8 points. Then they beat the Thunder twice in a row. Nothing to write home about there. <laughs> they beat the Magic who are awful and they beat the Pelicans who have been playing better lately but still not a good team. So, you know, I think this 6 game win streak is a fluke. I don't expect them to actually be good or competing for anything. Hence, they're just going to turn on the the tank. Player development switch. At some point, it's going to happen, and Chengdu's minutes will spike. So, no, no argument there. That's yeah. the moment that I'm waiting for. And if you can time it and have him on your roster when it happens, that will be fantastic.
2: I, yeah, and and just I think that you really have to understand that teams don't make that switch to player development until a certain point in the season, and we're not there yet. It t- tends to happen usually after the All Star break. Um, But Daniel Tice had actually been a DNP in like four of the games prior to getting that spot start, and it didn't really impact Shangun's minutes to where we would like them to see. But again, we're not at that point in the season where a coach is just going to be like, here, rookie, lose a game for me on purpose. Mm -hmm. They they rookies have to earn their minutes yeah
1: and shingoon has great moments and he also has truly crazy chaotic moments where he's <laughs> try, trying to make like next level plays and isn't quite there yet but man i he's so much fun to watch to watch like you never know what's coming next so um yeah. you know for if you're if you're going for a fun factor on your team too give him give him a notch up because he's he's a lot of fun Okay, a player, do you want on your roster? That is the question I'm posing and the player is RJ Barrett. Nope. <laughs> no. So if you had him, here's here's a potentially better question. If you had him on your roster as I do unfortunately on one league or in one league, would you try to trade him or is this a guy you're just cutting outright? I guess
2: a player with name recognition like RJ, you can float some offers. But I am also I think mm-hmm. I would have cut him a couple of weeks ago honestly he he's killing you in your in your percentages so and and very little yeah. peripheral stats so
1: he certainly is and despite confidence from both he and coach Tom Thibodeau that he can turn it around as he hasn't last year I believe we've seen nothing that would suggest that that's coming and to me it's just like his fantasy upside seems to be top 75 at best and probably closer to top 120 so what are we holding on for like you know if his explosion comes and it's top 100 value well you just lost for like week after week multiple categories because this guy was tanking your percentages i don't necessarily think it's worth it in that league that i said i have him i still do because i've been trying to float trade offers thinking yeah someone will bite right someone has faith in him and he's 80% 80% rostered in Yahoo leagues. There's clearly still a lot of faith and sentiment that he'll get going. Hasn't happened yet, so very frustrating. If you have to cut him, you have to cut him. I, I wouldn't lose any sleep over that. You want to talk about TJ Warren? I he every time I hear his name, I shrug and move on to the next topic. So why don't you why don't you take the reins here?
2: <laughs> well, uh, the, just the minor update. If you happen to have TJ Warren stashed when that first report came out i think from Shams, suggesting that he might be back by december he's not he's not going to play in december and yeah we we still have no idea when he'll be back shocking the amount of time he's been out with this injury is absurd at this point i don't get it maybe he had some horrible setback and we never heard about it but we still have no idea when this guy's going to be back and um once he does come back he's Probably going to be brought along very, very slow.
1: Yeah. And he's probably going to get hurt again, as is, you know, throughout his career. What What's happened? He had an ADP of 135 this year, which obviously isn't low. He was a flyer pick, but I wanted nothing to do with him. I think, I think he's never played more than 56 games in a season, something like that. Like he's just perpetually hurt. He's on a team that's loaded with options. It's not like they need him to go out and score 20 points a game. So yeah, I want nothing to do with him. When he comes back, what do you think? You know, you wanted to talk Karis LeVert. We mentioned him earlier. Do you still have, you know, I wanted to say he came into the season with a back fracture. We don't really talk about that very much. I feel like that's probably part of the reason why he's off to such a slow start. But as someone who doesn't have him anywhere, I'm very uh, true shooting of 48%, which is the worst of his career. That's awful. He's barely getting to the free throw line has the lowest assist rate since he was a rookie in 2016, lowest rebound rate of his career, it's not even close. So, I've been a Levert skeptic. I have zero shares of him. Give me give me cause for optimism here. What am what am I missing? Well, I don't
2: know. I don't understand why you're judging him so harshly because you introduced the topic with we don't talk about him having a back injury and then you proceeded to bash him ruthlessly. <laughs> I also don't understand where you're grading him on. He was basically a flyer pick. He, I got him incredibly late in drafts. So a guy who I got after the twelfth round who's putting up late round value and could improve, sure, I'm fine with that. You know, I think that he could be a top thirty player. I'm not judging him as if I picked him in the fourth round. I picked him in like the fourteenth round. So I'm, I'm fine. He's not even producing. He is value. producing that value actually. After the, over the past two weeks, <laughs> he's been a late round player.
1: Oh, in the past two Yes, weeks,
2: and, and his numbers are fine. And he's actually picked up his play significantly over the past six, playing very well in four of those six games. He did have two stinkers in there. But I just see consistent improvement from this guy. Last night, he had 19 points, three blocks, a steal, a triple, efficient shooting. I just see consistent improvement from him as he gets more familiar on a brand new team with a lot of different players. I'm fine with his assist numbers being where they are. I don't expect them to be high on a team with Malcolm Brogdon and Chris Duarte. Mainly, I just want him to be scoring efficiently, bringing bringing me occasional defensive stats, and you know, like two to three assists a game is
1: fine with me. All right, two to three assists, disappointing, but hey, I didn't draft him. That was an impassioned defense of him, and that's what we're here for. People want to hear differing opinions. You know, I know that you are you drafted Levert. Do you have him in multiple leagues or just, just one? Now I
2: do because people dropped him. Yeah, I think I have mm. him in every league at this point. Yeah.
1: He would have been a guy, I asked that question about RJ Barrett. I would never have cut Levert because people, you know, we've seen him, first of all, put up top 50 value for long stretches. Like we know he can be that guy. Yes, And I think the, the name brand recognition there is far too high to have cut him, but good on you for taking advantage of that. Another player I wanted to ask real quick before we go here, are you holding on to? And that is Devin Vassell. We saw him really warming up. He's, you know, good across the board, especially 9-cat, 8-cat stats. He'll get you some steals, hit some threes. Efficiency was improving little by little, starting to really find his rhythm as a main guy with the second unit. Then he bruises his thigh, comes back, plays 10 minutes. It tightens up. Now he's out again. Worth holding on to, Jared? Absolutely, mm-hmm. I feel like this is a guy with a top fifty ceiling. Uh, he was playing incredible before
2: that injury, and I'm going to pat myself on the back for a second here. I did call out Vass, Vass- Vassell <laughs> mm-hmm. as a solid late round option as we had it as we were in the draft period, and he's played. He's exceeded my expectations. Yeah. I'm fine with keeping this
1: guy who's only dealing with a thigh injury
2: throughout this injury. You know.
1: He's one of the few cases where I feel like I watched him play over the summer and in preseason and was like, oh, yeah, I'm seeing things that are real and make me want to bump him up the draft board. Like they were using him as a playmaker a little bit more and he looked solid doing so. Yeah. Just real, real improvement. And everything we've seen so far, as you said, like, I think we're only glimpsing the surface. Like he's already putting up decent value and could be so much better. So especially on a team that's developing their young guys and he has positional versatility. I love it, so I'm gonna go get him. Jared, why don't you take us out on a final note of Aaron go- Aaron Gordon, MPJ went down. I know Aaron Gordon's kind of taken off. What do you see there? I think
2: it's sustainable. Since Michael Porter Jr. went down, Aaron Gordon's putting up 14.6 points, 6.1 boards, 2.7 dimes. I wish there was more defensive stats, just 0.8 steals, one triple. The big bonus here is just 1.2 turnovers per game and 50.4% shooting from the field, 79.5% from the stripe. So he's not really hurting you anywhere and you know, he is what he is, but he's he's doing enough that he should be rostered pretty much across the board.
1: Let's go out on a note of total agreement, Jared. I'm just gonna second what you said and <laughs> and end there. Good talk as always. I love to agree with you. I love to disagree with you sometimes, Jared. So let's do it again next Tuesday. Same here. <laughs> See you then. Okay.
0: Bye.